Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. In today's episode, we're speaking with international marketer and startup consultant, Marielle Rusink, who moved from South Africa to Singapore and set up her marketing agency, The M's. Focusing on startup and small businesses, Marielle shares her advice on marketing for startups and what to include in your marketing plan as a small business. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hi, Maria. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you? So good. And where are you calling in from? I'm calling in today from Singapore, uh, oh. which is usually super sunny, but uh, it's actually been extremely rainy lately, so I'm not sunny Singapore. Hey, but that's not a Singaporean accent I detect, is it? It's quite interesting. It's a, it's a very um, different accent, I would say. Um, so where I come from, you would call this um, a pavement special. <laughs> really? Accent, uh, pavement which means special. it's extremely... <laughs> which means it's extremely mixed. Um, I only realized that this doesn't mean anything to anybody um, a couple of years into living in Singapore. Um, so I was telling people all about my accent for so many years and nobody told me that they had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and Amazing. So I'm originally um, from South Africa, Namibia. Um, I have lived in Singapore for, oh gosh, over eight years. Um, and before that, I was living in London for four and a half years as well. Um, and I actually, I'm a German descendant. So I speak German with my, is my mother tongue, actually. So it's yeah. also not the typical South African accent. Yeah. Um, but for those people that know the accent, they will pick up um, where I'm from, uh, usually, um, which is always gratifying for me. And, uh, and yeah, so that's a little bit about uh, where I'm from and, and the accent. It's gotten very mixed um, with just living different places, I guess. Well, first of all, I think it's an absolutely beautiful accent. Mm. And secondly, I could definitely tell that you were South African, but I could hear the German ringing through and mm. that was a bit confusing <laughs> for me. <laughs> so <laughs> and there, there's a touch of something else in there too. It might be a little bit of uh, something that you picked up on the Brit side. But um, yeah. yes, I think so. Yeah, I yeah. Think so. Well, it's very unique yeah. and I enjoy it. So anyway, um, so you have quite an interesting business. And um, do you want to just walk us through how you became the woman you are today? Oh, wow. That is such a long story. Where does one even start? <laughs> yeah, so um, a couple of years ago, it's almost five now, um, I started uh, my own business, uh, which is The M's. Mm -hmm. um, so we do um, marketing for entrepreneurs, small businesses and startups. Yep. Um, and we actually have clients from all across the world, uh, which is uh, so fascinating. Um, so, of course, a whole bunch here in Singapore. But then because a lot of our work is digital, um, we, we really can work with anybody um, in any country, essentially. Right. Um, and, and, yeah, so how did we get here? 
Um, so I suppose my, my dad is actually an, an entrepreneur. So I think he definitely did um, inspire me as well. In South Africa, you mean? When you were growing up in South Africa? Yeah. Yes, yes. So I was living in South Africa all the way and Namibia sort of both until um, the age of uh, 21. Okay. So I really only left um, when I completed my um, bachelor's degree. Um, so I am truly <laughs> through and through uh, from down south. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, so, yeah. And um, so I always did want to have my own company. Um, so I always felt like that would be something that I wanted to do. And um, after I left South Africa, I went um, and did a bit of a work travel experience in Europe. Uh-huh. And then I did my master's in the UK. What did you study? Oh, okay. So um, in in South Africa, I studied a degree that um, straddles humanities as well as business and goes into strategy development. So it's, you know, one of those new age courses where people look at you and they have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) And um, I I decided to continue to to do more of that in the UK. And I did a master's in managing the creative industries. Um, so it was really fascinating. It brought together um, people from all across the world and all sorts of disciplines. Um, so I was studying together with uh, people who do marketing, but also musicians, architects, uh, artists, uh, digital artists. Uh, so so really um, such a variety of people. And it, it was absolutely wonderful. And um, and I guess you can kind of already detect my sort of um, personal struggle there between deciding between business and and more the artsy side, yeah. uh, what I would want to pursue in my career. Yeah. So I always kind of tried to straddle both or, or try to find a way to kind of combine both because I, I do enjoy um, both almost equally and uh, and actually having my own business and, and working marketing and, and focusing actually on, on entrepreneurs um, does enable me to do that in, in a nice way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so when I graduated, it was right in the recession. <laughs> so it, it, it was um, probably the greatest time ever for anybody <laughs> to graduate uh, from anything. And, uh, but, but yeah, like I, I went into corporate first. I mean, at that point in time, I did consider, I oh, do I just want to do my own thing and, and start off that way? Um, and, and I had met my um, then boyfriend and now husband um, already at that point in time. We kind of discussed it and um, he did suggest, well, why don't you first go into corporate, kind of learn from that and then maybe do your own thing a bit later. Yeah. And then I did think that was probably a sensible thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and for life experience as well like while you're absolutely learning. absolutely so if I now look back I mean people ask me this all the time like is there a perfect time to launch a business and and I don't really think there is I mean there's so many examples of um people starting their businesses also much later in life mm-hmm. um and then you've obviously got people that that started their businesses you know not even graduating um from uni um, and so very young. Um, for me personally, I think it was the right thing to do because um, 
you know, you get all that life experience, you get to learn about the working world, you get to learn a little bit about internal politics as well and how mm. all of that stuff works and, mm. and um, processes of companies and, and just generally like how stuff works, right? right. Um, and I think all of those learnings and incorporating, or incorporating those learnings into sort of what I do led into um, probably a lesser steep learning curve as an entrepreneur um, than I would have had just going straight into it um, from uni because I would have had to learn all of those things plus uh, being an entrepreneur plus you know the actual work that I was doing etc so so for me I think that was the right thing to do mm-hmm. um, and actually my first job wasn't in marketing uh, because I'm the type of that person that doesn't like to sit at home and wait for the perfect job it's just not my mindset um, yeah. so I felt you know any great job would probably be a good job at that point in time and so I actually first started to work for a uh, medical company that had just come out of um, Johnson & Johnson and I was managing um, global exports <laughs> into oh, yeah. Southern Africa. Yeah. <laughs> so oh it was very different work, all spreadsheets and, and all of that. <laughs> but I bet you learned excellent project management skills <laughs> for something like that. Absolutely, yeah, yes, right. yes. And, and how things to sit together and, and are coordinated and, uh, and all of that. And, um, and actually problem-solving skills. Um, so, so oh gosh, there's just so many daily complex problems that you need to sort of overcome in that type of job, uh, which, which I actually really, really enjoy. Um, and then I, I think I kind of discovered in, in that role that I sort of have a knack for that, like, like solving problems um, in a way. Mm. Um, so when I then decided to move on, um, I wanted to go back into a more creative side. And then I actually went to work at a fashion company, similar role, but fashion company. Um, and, and that type of role goes times in terms of complexity, it goes times 100 when you're working in fashion uh, because it's actually a really high risk, really high intense uh, sector to work in. Um, super fun, but but really intense, um, especially when you're working in in exports and supply chain because if you don't get your stuff done on time, your line hits the market too late and essentially goes immediately to sale. So it's extremely uh, time sensitive, actually. Um, and then as part of working in that company, I obviously got to sort of see again more of the creative side, the merchandising side of, of you know, what, what actually goes into creating a fashion line and then um, kind of progressed internally into that side of the business as well. Um, and then also uh, kind of got a bit of marketing as part of that. And so after that, I moved to Singapore with my now husband. And then here I joined a branding company. I set up uh, two different uh, departments for them. So it was a global company, but they were only setting up here, the offices. And so first it was uh, marketing externally, what they do um, to, to students across the region. And then because that was working extremely well, so as part of that, we were some of the first companies actually to to venture into the area of, of Facebook marketing and, and Facebook pages and, and Facebook ads and, and all of that that came with that. I'm just curious to know, um, what why did you want to move to Singapore or was there an opportunity that your 
um, husband had or you had? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's actually the typical expat story. Um, so my husband uh, had the opportunity to move out here and I'm a little bit adventurous. So he asked me, do you want to go? And mm. I've never been here or to Asia. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, great, let's go. <laughs> and you're like, and that's did a, adventure. Did a bit of Googling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did yeah. a bit of Googling and, and thought, oh, okay, sounds good. Let's do that for a while. Wow. And, it, and, and what's uh, it like? Like, what's the lifestyle and like business culture like in Singapore? I think what's so interesting is at that point in time, Singapore was marketing itself very much like uh, another London mm. or another place like that. And in some ways it is, but in some ways it's so different. Um, so with it, it, it's really a world of, of sort of contrasts. So within the same day, you can have an extremely international uh, high-end experience and, um, you know, just a few meters down the road, you can, you know, um, kind of, you know, sip noodle soup uh, in, in a very uh, local setting, you mm. know, or, or find all of those very traditional um, or typical Asian things. Uh, like, for example, Kopi uh, Tiam, which is the local coffee and, and how they make that. And, and then they've got these um, sort of buns that go with that. Um, so you can really have a very mixed lifestyle. You can go or, or go completely local mm-hmm. and immerse yourself in, in that culture. Um, or you can stay, uh, be completely um, expat-y and pretend like you're not even living in Asia. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of continue just doing that. Um, although the, the price tag on that lifestyle is, is extremely steep. But you could pretend like you're not living in Asia and just go for champagne brunches and <laughs> um, and have a very affluent uh, sort of lifestyle. Yeah. Can I ask, how many years now have you been in Singapore? Uh, so we moved here in May 2012. So oh, that quite a few. is eight, eight. eight and a half years. Yeah. yeah, it's quite a while. Yeah. And do you feel like you're still in it? You're still, or are you like, is your adventurous heart looking for the next thing? Um, yeah, we're always looking for the next thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think once you made that jump, and and maybe you can speak to that as well. But I think once you made that jump once, um, I, I feel like doing it again and again um, feels possible. Yeah, and I think there's also probably an element to it that makes it a little bit addictive. Yes, uh, as well. Just just. Just that new, you know, moving somewhere else, discovering something new, exploring, um, discovering a new culture. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I, I don't think this is our um, forever, mm-hmm. um, but, but it's definitely been very fascinating living here. And we're very lucky to have um, also local friends um, mm-hmm. so, and also local friends from across the cultures that are represented here in Singapore. Right. So we have um, Chinese Singaporean friends, we have Malay um, Singaporean friends and also Indian Singaporean friends mm, and, yes. and all of their experiences are, are somewhat different as well and um, it's so nice to be able to see sort of both views um, so how we experience um, Singapore's expats but then also how how the locals are actually experiencing it um, yeah, yeah. In, in the different cultures yeah yeah I feel the same. It's when you move to a big multicultural city, right? 
whether it's Singapore mm-hmm. or London or Sydney or New York or LA or whatever it is, you end up meeting so many people from so many different places mm. that it's it changes your perspective so rapidly because mm. there's so it many does. opinions. I yeah. agree. We're moving to Sydney, I thought that, you know, people say that Australia is so isolated from the rest of the world. I've never met so many people from so many different places yeah. as I have done here mm. and had such an international experience. It's really valuable. Sylvie keeps hanging out with Americans, yeah. too, in yeah, Sydney. I love Americans. She loves us. She loves us. <laughs> She's like, I don't know if I want to go to America or ever live in America, but <laughs> I love these Americans that are But I love Sydney. you guys. <laughs> I love these kind. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, huh? But, yeah, I, th- yeah, I agree with funny. you. I think it's like once you make that massive leap to, to move abroad, it's like you, it's, that mm. barrier is gone. Right. It's kind of like starting a business or yeah. any other thing. You you make the leap and then you're like, oh, I could do that again and mm-hmm. again and again. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I, I completely agree with that. Um, once you kind of take that jump and, and you know, I, I call entrepreneurship a little bit like bungee jumping, but you're not quite sure whether there's a rope to pull you back up again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely a thrill-seeking activity or a thrill-seeking um, job that you would go for. I love yeah. that. Um, so, or or uh, economic opportunity that you would go for. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's how I would describe entrepreneurship if anybody were to ask me. Mm. And you were head of digital for APAC for um, Universum for um, a, like a couple of years before you started your own business, The M's. What did that feel like yes, leaving right. a comfortable, you know, well, I say comfortable, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was comfortable, you know, having that <laughs> career and um, being so high up in that company and then actually making the leap to being a founder and agency owner? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the moment actually when I made the leap, I was actually, um, my, my next step was going to be a global role. Um, so yeah, that, that was going to be my next step um, and that was on the cards. Um, but, you know, I was just at that point where I just felt very ready um, to make that move. Yeah. And it was very clear to me what I wanted to do and how I was going to do it. Um, and, you know, I was really at that point where you could have offered me any job with any, uh, you know, comes and benefits package. And I would have probably have turned it down Yeah. because I just really wanted to do my own thing. Yeah. I, I just really wanted to, to pursue my vision mm-hmm. um and I was I also really felt that if I wasn't going to do it then I was probably never going to do it yeah um b- because you know at some point the opportunity cost I think gets too high or you know also if you have a family and everything you know you, you just have to consider a bit more um than when you're still you know just just married and and still kind of living that kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. Um, so I just felt like if it's not now, it's probably going to be never. And, and so I just went for it. Mm. And um, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I, it's actually something I always say to entrepreneurs when people ask me, oh, do you know, do you think I should um, start my own business? Do you think I should do it now? Should I wait? Or I have this other opportunity that's knocking at my door. Should mm. I do that first? And I actually always say to them, the fact that you're still considering something else, you should probably do something else first. Right. Um, and, and, then, 
and then go for it if, if that's really the only thing that you want to do. Right. Um, so just just the thought of um, sitting down, working on my CV, looking online for jobs, applying for jobs, <laughs> yeah. going through interviews, selling, trying to convince somebody to hire me and all of that. It just seemed like something I really didn't want to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, and we're over um, it. Yeah. <laughs> we but ironically, done. like preparing yeah. pitch decks and like trying to persuade a client to hire you is a completely yeah. different feeling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it is. And also, I think when you're in corporate, or at least this was my feeling in corporate, even when you're paid very well, just because it's not really your own thing, mm. I don't think you ever get feel that you're being paid enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, Relatable. I mean, especially in, in, in Asia, because, um, or maybe in Singapore, the, the work culture is such that you... You work very, very hard, um, especially when you're an agency side. There's also an expectation on, of clients that you're available whenever um, for anything. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, your your phone might go off at um, eleven o'clock at night, and and you need to be available for that. Um, mm. Pretty much. I mean, I guess it depends also a little bit on the culture of the company that you're working at. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but but yeah, I, I don't think that that's actually quite unusual usual here um so so I guess from that perspective just because um I I really got to a point where I felt like there was no space actually for me in my life yeah (laughs) um so so like literally zero work-life balance Mm. um so so yeah now it's very different like I you know I, I always do say to entrepreneurs like um celebrate every single milestone even if it's small um and and do celebrate every single dollar right like mm-hmm. every every single project that you close is, is you know money in the bank for you is, is like a little win that you've achieved mm-hmm. um so I think the relationship becomes very different um I think uh, well, when you're doing your own thing mm-hmm. yeah no completely yeah so you made the leap you bit the yes. bullet you knew you were ready for the this moment how did you start yes. the M's and what did those first three months look like? I think when you start your own company, the first couple of months are so can be so overwhelming because everything is equally important mm. and everything needs to happen as quickly as possible for you to really launch. Um, so, of course, step one was just um, registering the company and, and what does that look like? So, so being a foreigner in Singapore, um, you know, I had to actually register a company. It wasn't like I could just um, go and freelance. So mm-hmm. um, that, that added some complexity. Um, so the first couple of months, honestly, were very much taken up by that um, because it's, uh, it's not so easy actually. Mm. Um, so there was that. Then there was obviously the name. What are we going to call it? Then there was um, the, the branding of it. What is it going to look like? What is it going to feel like? Then you need to do your website. Um, and, and obviously before you do, do your website, you need to figure out, okay, what services are we going to offer and how do we 
how do we package that? How do we present that? Um, and and then what marketing are we going to do? How do we how do we get out there? Um, so so all of those parts really. So everything that every other company had to go through has to go through. I've been through. Yeah, and I think that's also why. Um, yeah, I think that's also why it's actually a good fit for entrepreneurs, actually, because um, like like we know the challenges that they're going through and we've worked with um, over 100 um, companies now. So mm. uh, we, we're really very well versed with, with the challenges, um, having gone through them, but also having seen so many other um, others go through the same sort of stumbling blocks or challenges. Yeah, and what I find interesting about the EMS is that you you offer like a full suite of marketing services for startups and small businesses. Yes. So typically, startups and small businesses are the companies that agencies don't want um, <laughs> because they yes. have small budgets. Small budgets, yeah, yeah um, a, a host of reasons. Why did you want to focus on this particular niche? Yeah, so um, in my previous job, I worked with really, really big companies. Um, so all of the, you know, Unilevers, um, big banks, etc. of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of fun because you have bigger budgets to play with. But it's not as meaningful as working with um, an entrepreneur, small business or a startup. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's, it's just one of their KPIs or it's just one of their things um, that they need to get done um, in the year. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes that, that's obviously uh, gratifying as well. But being from a place um, where, you know, I can literally see the impact of entrepreneurship and what a huge difference it makes if you enable people with those capabilities um, to go out into the world and, and make their own living and, and also uplift themselves essentially out of poverty if it works. Um, it's so powerful. Um, so, so for that, but at the same time, there's so many people that don't succeed, right? I, mm-hmm. I mean, if I remember the stats correctly, I think 90% of startups don't make it past five years or so. Mm. Um, so the odds are extremely stacked against um, entrepreneurs. And I guess I kind of wanted to be part of, um, you know, helping them mm-hmm. um, or helping more entrepreneurs um, succeed. And, and that vision is still the same till today. Um, and, and, yeah, I think you can just make a huge contribution um, to somebody's life uh, to, to help them um, achieve their vision, essentially. Um, so it was. It, it really came from from that um, angle, um, from from that intent um, that I wanted to focus on this target group. Yeah. That's um, awesome. So so yeah. So so doing something more meaningful. Um, but then I mean, we talked a little bit about this earlier. Like I really love problem solving. I really love um, tackling challenges. And one of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs or startups struggle with is positioning right or how to sell what they're offering and and you know how to get their voice out there or Mm -hmm. how to differentiate from competitors and and all of this is um essentially um strategy and um kind of working through a puzzle and uh kind of finding you know the golden thread and the angle right to Mm -hmm. to position something and if you're working with a company that's kind of early stage or you know that's sort of on plotting along on its journey and that wants to you know take the next 
jump or, or you know, needs to change course, you really get into the thick of it. You really become so um, part of that engine and, and kind of designing um, how that company goes into market. And, and I really enjoy that work, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, you, wouldn't, you don't really have the same opportunity within established companies um, to, to really you know, design something from scratch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the other angle, just from a personal level. Cool. So what are some of your kind of marketing tips for startups with, you know, these companies that have got small budgets, don't have a big audience yet? What's the first place you start when you're working with these brands? Um, I think actually my advice goes a little bit further than just marketing. It, it really goes into just as an entrepreneur and, and setting up into your business. Mm-hmm. And I think one mistake that I see a lot of people make uh, when they're setting up and, and starting to venture into, into marketing is that they completely underestimate the budget that they will need to really do sensible marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, we, and we can blame digital, obviously, for this. Uh, because, every, I mean, most people think, oh, okay, you know, I can get a logo on Fiverr. It's just a picture, right, with some mm. text. Um, <laughs> I can maybe, <laughs> I can set up my own website. I'm sure I can figure it out with some more other templates, you know, upload a couple of pics. Um, and then I can set up my free Facebook page and I can set up my free Instagram and my free LinkedIn and then I'll be doing lots of posts and then I'm good to go, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's my marketing plan right there. Um, the, the problem with that is that, um, I mean, it, it, it starts from your logo, right? Like a logo, is, it's not just an image and text. A logo should be a complete reflection of what your company stands for, what you do and what makes you different. It, it should have meaning. Right, and it and it should support your proposition and the value that you essentially bring to your customers as well. It, it mm. should tell a story, um, and equally, like I mean, uh, anything that you do in digital and begins and ends with your website. If your website is not compelling and not positioning you in a in a professional way, if it's not concretely, you know, selling to your audience if, if it does or if it's not even conversion optimized you know it's never going to work so mm-hmm. although you can do it yourself unless you maybe spend some time to really understand how to do that well um it, it might not pay off at the end of the day um and then with social media again yes you can do all of this for yourself and you can sign up for free but the problem is um because it's become such a competitive space um, and because all of these companies essentially also want to make money, um, mm. unless you've got some money for ads, it's going to be difficult to really get a voice out, out there. Um, and if you're not going to do ads, then, okay, you need to be very creative in terms of maybe influencer marketing or, um, you know, collaborations, etc. But the guarantees on that, that there's no guarantees on that. Mm. Whereas if yeah. you you know, run ads and that works properly and, and you've built a proper and, and you have the capability to build a proper marketing engine, you, you are probably going to see, it's more likely that you're going to see results from that. Yeah. And um, so that would be my first tip. Uh, so, so make sure that you have thought about um, what are you going to do in terms of your marketing and what do you need to do there and how you're going to afford that. 
And if it's going to be all yourself, um, how are you going to learn to do that well? Um, because, I mean, there is some method in that, the, like there's some method, there's some magic, right, in, in, in how all of that works. Um, it's, it's not just, although all these platforms make it seem deceptively easy, like you just click a button, you, you, you know, you say, oh, okay, I want to pay $5 for this and off you go. Yeah. That, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work, right? So yeah. how are you going to learn how to do it well? Mm. Um, so that would be my first tip. Uh, the other tip is is that the, uh, another thing that people always ask me is, oh, what one channel should I invest in um, to see results? And unfortunately, the answer is it's probably not going to be just one channel. It's going to be, um, you know, an, an aggregate of touch points or multiple touch points that people yeah. experience you across. Um, for them to actually convert. So, so there's probably not just one channel that's going to do the magic. Um, so, and then, yeah, I guess the other part is um, make sure you really know what you want to achieve, right? And I mean, that sounds obvious, but um, most people will say to me, oh, you know, I, I really want to do, um, achieve awareness. And then what they actually meant by that was I want to achieve awareness to do to drive sales. Right. right? Um, should should imply one should obviously apply the other. But actually, if you're going to be speaking to a marketer, um, the, the way they interpret that brief is completely different from, oh, OK, I need to make sales to uh, keep the lights on, essentially. So, right. so the type of strategy you would design are completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, the thing that I see a lot of companies um, not addressing adequately is who is your target audience? You absolutely need to know who your target audience or audiences are um, to, to get your business out there and, and succeed. And yeah. a lot of companies kind of skip that step. Um, and it's really worthwhile to put in the effort up front to, to really understand um, who who do you really want to talk to? Because it's going to impact what channels you're on, how your mess, how you craft your messaging, uh, what type of tactics you run, etc. I mean, if you if you're targeting a young person, like a um, you know, like somebody who's at uni versus somebody who's a mom versus somebody who's um, you know, um, like a CEO, those are completely different profiles, right? So you would have a completely different approach speaking to those different people. Um, so it's really worthwhile uh, to do that work up front. Yeah, absolutely. So the unfortunate answer is there's no short answer. That's why you need, need to work to with a marketing professional. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But it's one of those things, I think one of the biggest disservices, right? Like, so it's social media and all of the online platforms that we have now. It's like... Um, they have given us so many ways to reach people, and that's great. But as professionals, they've also created this illusion that anyone could be a marketer. Yes. And I think that that's, yeah. that's really dangerous because it's like um, it's just like any other part of business, right? It's a special to, specialty, yes. and people spend years perfecting their strategies and, and building up all this experience mm-hmm. and knowledge and intuition. And that's the thing is, like, you've got to at least consult with, um, professionals when you're starting mm. if not hire them <laughs> if, if you want yeah, results and I mean um, <laughs> I mean you raise a really important point there like um, at least talk to somebody right yeah. who, who does this um, yeah. before you dive in 
Um, so, I mean, one of the things that we actually do is just purely a consulting service um, mm-hmm. or like a, a workshop as a, as a first touch point yeah. um, for, for companies that, you know, they want to execute themselves, but they want to at least just talk to somebody, get an idea on strategy or what they should be doing yeah. and then actually get into it. Um, so I, I think a lot of people might also be intimidated reaching out to professionals Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, thinking, oh, it's not accessible for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really worth looking into, um, you know, to see. Actually, I found that fascinating on my own entrepreneurship journey, how many people were really happy just to have a chat um, mm-hmm. to, to help me figure out um, all sorts of stuff, right? Um, so, so I think that's, you know, finding the right people to talk to is, is definitely worthwhile. I think one of the other things, if anybody's in your your position or wanting to start their own marketing agency, one of the other things that I want to pipe in with for listeners is charge for your time. (laughs) Because when Mm. you are, like, package it the way that you have done and created, like, a workshop that people can buy at a very accessible price point. Because the thing that will happen with professionals, especially when they're just starting out um, or even less than 10 years in, is people will say, oh, I want to hire you. And then kind of come pump you for ideas and advice and knowledge and then never compensate or hire you. So I know that that happens all the time, especially with marketing. Mm. Her, you know, it, it does. Yeah. It, it kind of links back to what you were saying before. Like all these, you know, all these platforms these days make everyone think, oh, you can be a marketer. Right. So that, I think that's also made um, a lot of people think, oh, why should I be spending that much on it if I can just do it myself? Right. Right. Mm. Um, so, and then that, that's probably why that happens as well. That people yeah. Just, you know, kind of. But yeah. yeah, so if you're if you're starting a startup, consult with someone who is a professional in this area. If you are a professional in this area, make sure you have a buyable package that you can consult with where you can give people advice and get compensated with it properly mm. so that you're not giving away all of your knowledge for free. What are your next aims for the M's? How do you see your company growing oh, next year? That's a really good question. Um, so the, the short answer is always growth, uh, like getting to the next level. Um, but actually something that I always do, so it, it being sort of, um, okay, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but right now it's the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that I always do is um, look at, um, I always have goals at the beginning of the year that I kind of, check in with uh, at the end of the year and also along the year to kind of um, make sure are we on track, off track, how do we get there? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's sort of the process that I'm going through now. And what I'm looking at is, okay, how do we structure next year? Um, What are we going to be doing differently, et cetera? Um, So the short answer is, is definitely growth definitely still working with entrepreneurs, startups and small businesses um, because, yeah, we really love working um, with people in this space. Um, But then really looking at, okay, how do we um, optimize internal processes um, better to accommodate, um, you know, that growth ambition for next year? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that that would be the answer to that so not quite there yet but working on on how how do we get to the next stage that's awesome thank you so much for coming on the podcast Marielle it's really great to get your advice and tips for startups and how to approach their marketing I think people will find that really helpful and your global perspective Mm. 
Thank you. It was really fun. Um, yeah, thanks for inviting me to the session. Yeah, of course. Keep in touch. Uh, reaching out. I'm reaching out on LinkedIn now and reach out on everything Perfect. else. If anyone wants to hire you as a consultant uh, for their startup, where can they find you? Right. So we are on all the uh, social media, <laughs> but um, the quickest way is probably on our website. Um, so that's www.the and then dash emms.com. Uh, so that's our website and you can find out um, everything that we do there, actually. Perfect. Beautiful. All right. Well, take care in Singapore and keep in touch. And you as well. All right. We speak another day, hopefully. Yeah, definitely. Beautiful. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Thanks. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.